0: That's right, we're talking all things back to the future. And with so many fun facts lined up for you, you'll be saying great, Scott, after listening to today's episode of that song from that movie. Where we're going, we don't need them. Thank you for joining that song from that movie, The Journey for the Very Best and Worst of Movie Songs. I am your 1.21 gigawatt host, Dietrich, and we're joined by the boy who, when I kissed him, it's like kissing my brother, Alex. (laughs) Dean, you said you'd never tell anybody about that. I ruined our (laughs) mum. And also with us is the man you probably aren't ready for yet, but your kids are going to love him, Ben. (laughs)
1: Hey, thank you, Edwards. (laughs)
0: topical not for when this comes out but (laughs) to the point of recording
1: (laughs) we've just found out guys we've just found out
0: i would like to know in the past fortnight what have you been watching
1: Ooh. okay (laughs) spice me up knock out (laughs) stop
2: (laughs) well you'd be happy to know that i took a trip to the cineplex the local cineplex last week (laughs) <laughs> and i saw the newest installment of the indiana jones franchise
1: okay okay interesting okay. Go on. and have you both seen it no nope. no and i probably won't
2: um do you know what it was it was it was fine it was it was fun there was some really ropey cgi of a young indiana jones of a young harrison ford which i've heard that yeah yeah it's uncanny valley-esque it's a bit it's a bit uh Star Wars, uh, was it Rogue One? Was it Rogue One where they had that yeah, uh, princess there at the end? Whereas well, the face doesn't
0: seem like it's connected to their head.
2: Yeah, I mean it wasn't bad. Like it's, it's good in terms of like you you watch and thinking, God, how have they managed to do this? It looks just like him, uh, but it's it's still it's just not quite right. There's something dead behind the eyes. You know, it was okay. It was like it was like it was just like action sequence threaded into action sequence that threaded into action sequence, and it's got a preposterous ending.
0: I have heard it's one of those endings where you either roll with it and you like it, or you, what the hell is this? Yeah, but it's the-, the only thing that's actually making me interested in seeing the film. I think I'll just wait until it appears on Disney Plus. Yeah, it's kind of like
2: when you watch, you're like, well, of course, this is where it was going to end. Like it's it's ridiculous, but the, it's, it's ridiculous in the same way that the other ones were ridiculous. So right, okay. Um, so I wouldn't not recommend it. It was good to see in the cinema because it's you know it's that kind of film. I don't know how it would play.
1: Uh, on, on a I, Friday I, <laughs> on your TV, but
2: I mean, you guys go to the cinema a lot.
1: No? Well, yeah, but I'm saving myself for the amazing double bill that will be Barbie. Oh, Oppenheimer. Barbie
2: Oppenheimer! You're actually going to do it on the same day?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well,
2: but which way around are you going to do it? That's that's yeah. The well, composition.
1: Um, I don't know, I don't know if you've seen like, like all the Ghibli films, but in in Japan there there's the, a film Grave of the Fireflies, which is yes. a, a Ghibli film, which is like about the, the firebombings of Tokyo, which is a really serious, harrowing film. And that had a double bill with My Neighbour Totoro, <laughs> which is like an incredibly light-hearted film that probably caters to the 5 to 10 demographic. So I'm hoping it is that much of a whiplash, but I feel like you need the pickup afterwards, so I think it's Oppenheimer Barbie. It has to
2: be Oppenheimer Barbie. I'm agreed.
1: Apparently there's like an re- incredibly like graphic sex scene in
0: Oppenheimer. <laughs> oh,
1: I think you say Barbie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> with, uh... Do I, you actually think that Oppenheimer looks good? Because I keep watching the, well, I keep having to see the trailers. Because I go to the cinema now and then. I I think it l- doesn't look very good unless they're going to do like a Inglorious Bastards thing and make it make it so it's not our world. A different,
1: well, uh, I think I, I think I mean. they'll just build. They'll just do it to the point of. I don't even know if they'll cover the whole drop. Surely it's just the making of, and that's it, and it's the tests.
2: But it's like it's Christopher Nolan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so you'd expect there to be something fishy going on,
0: <laughs> something interesting.
1: Well, well, I guess it'll just be the constant sort of like Cold War esque style of we we need to make this bomb before the Nazis and the Soviets, even though they were miles ahead of everyone else <laughs> anyway. And I guess while also keeping it a complete secret from everyone.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to go for
1: Barbie. I think if I had a choice, I'd go for Barbie. <laughs> I imagine it's one of those slow builders, a guy who's dealing with the act, the fact that he might be soon to be destroy the world. Yeah, I saw all of the Mission Impossible, in preparation for the new one. I was saying I should I should do that because I've not I've, I've never seen any of them. You've never seen what any Mission no, Impossible? Never. You've never seen any Mission Impossible. I've seen, Impossible? Th-
0: I've seen yeah. three of them.
1: I mean, I think I've got it. It has been rose tinted glasses. The only one that's incredible is the last one. Like I, I think they're decent, they're all pretty fun, but uh, it is just now. Uh, how can we fund Tom Cruise's lavish extreme
0: sports? <laughs> I, I do enjoy that they've stopped even trying to advertise the films as films. Yeah. It's just the yeah. set pieces, it's like, he's going to yeah. do this crazy thing. I
1: think about a year ago there was like a 20-30 minute documentary of just building up to him jumping off a cliff and like parachuting. So much so yeah. that
2: I thought that that must have been in the previous film. But then like, really I've seen yeah, the new no, coming yeah. out and it's part yeah. of the trailer. I was like, yeah. I've seen this and I haven't even seen like, this yeah, film. All <laughs> that
1: build up for what probably is about a minute of the film.
0: This was in The Last Fast and Furious. <laughs> well, 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 they're splitting it into two as well, so
1: it's yes, got one of the worst named it. films ever, I think.
0: Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, dead Reckoning Part, part one, 1, The Reckoning. <laughs> the re- Dead. <laughs> two,
1: Fast, one, Reckoning. Family. What a crossover that would be.
0: I'm surprised they've not gone for it feels like they're very close to doing that, aren't they? It is. Is
1: it, is it the true impossible mission? Stopping Dominic Terrell. <laughs> because no agency in the world seems to be able to stop this one street racer.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's the power of family, Ben. The power of family.
1: Maybe that's the thing they need to do. They're just like, Dom, your family's safe. <laughs> and he's like, that's his kryptonite. It's like some sort of, that's him being shot in the heel.
0: His bones start to like disintegrate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dee, did you see any films? Um, no. Okay. And it's probably good because this segment's gone kind of long. Yeah, I, I've, all I've done is watched the first two episodes of the new series of Black Mirror, which feels like a return uh, to yeah, form. I watched, the
1: first, I watched the first one.
0: Yeah, I got to the third one then, so it was like 100 minutes long and just thought, nope, yeah, that, just having... Yeah, that is the
1: modern day person, isn't it? Yeah. 100 minutes?
0: <laughs> <ugh>. <laughs> I could watch four YouTube
1: videos. <laughs> yeah, I could watch A Thousand Vines.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: The audience doesn't know we were talking about vines before we started this podcast. Bussing. So please accept our invitation to the Enchantment Under the Sea dance as we're talking about all of the songs, all the original songs, all the (laughs) songs-ish from the 80s classic Back to the Future. So to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out. Time for some history. (laughs) History. So it's me this week, and I'm taking you back to July 1985. Bob Geldof and Ure put on the legendary Live Aid concerts mm-hmm. at Wembley Stadium in London and John F. Kennedy Stadium in Philadelphia. Now, we all know about these. I think we've even spoken about them on this podcast before. <laughs> Maybe. I, I can't remember. What I thought I'd do instead of telling people what it is, because everyone knows what it is, I'd just find out what I thought was the top three fun facts, because we no. love a other fun fact on this podcast. Of course. One. Phil Collins performed at both shows, catching yep. a flight on Concord between wow. the start of the English show and the end of the American show. That's incredible. And it was all recorded in the music video for Easy Lover.
1: Was it really? That, that,
0: that you, Alex easy knows Phil Collins.
1: Easy Lover. All
2: right,
0: what about this one then? Does Alex know this one? Probably not. Number two, David Bowie appeared at a wedding nearby to apologize for the amount of noise and disruption. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And number three, Cliff Richard did not perform at Wembley because he was already booked for another charity show the same day. So instead, he performed in an empty studio at 2 a.m., randomly cut into the Philadelphia leg of the broadcast. Because everyone needed Cliff.
1: (laughs) Everyone's like, Cliff, Cliff, it's alright, we're fine. He's like, no, I'll do it for the kids. As well in the
2: American broadcast, (laughs) if anyone's not going to care for Cliff, it's probably the American.
0: I don't understand why he thought, the
2: world needs Cliff Richard.
0: The world needs some holiday.
2: Did he perform Devil Woman?
0: Uh, I don't know. I I just saw a picture of it, I didn't actually watch it. Would
1: would you have stayed up for that, Alex?
2: (laughs) Well, I might have stayed
0: up, but I might have recorded. (laughs) Uh, July 1985 also saw the launch of the .uk domain, so like co.uk, gov.uk, ac.uk. It's weird to think that websites were being registered back in the 80s. As of today, there are just shy of 10 million .uk domains registered. So I think it's only right that we try grab that 10 millionth website, <laughs> unless it's already passed by the time this episode goes live, in which case I hope whoever gets it can enjoy their pathetic little website. <laughs>
1: I still own our old one and it costs me like 30 quid a year. What are you still <laughs> I uh, can't sell it.
0: No one wants to buy. It might have, it might have lapsed that I'm still paying someone. <laughs> and finally, some absolute classics of their respective genres worth showing at the cinema. First of all, Return to Oz.
1: Uh, an absolute
0: it is, classic. It's alright. N- no, Ben no,
2: it's a classic. No, it is an absolute classic. It's better than Wizard of Oz. Well,
1: that's not true, but it is. It is. It is. Well, I guess I'm beating. I'm beating in the fact. It's
0: one of the best yep. films I've ever made. Fact.
1: Dorothy a... v- Gale.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, next one. St. Elmo's fire. Better. Uh, it's a... Which we should do on the podcast. No, no, it's not better than Return to Oz. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah, I've never really seen that. Uh, Which we should no. do on the podcast. Is that the, is that the one with Tina Turner in it? Yeah. We don't need another hero. Yeah, that's definitely what he's covering at some point. Day of the Dead. Not quite uh, a classic.
1: No, but... It's still pretty I recent. Mean, the George Romero one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it go since a uh, uh, wee Ben.
0: A wee Ben or a wee Ben? A we wee Ben. A wee Ben A <laughs> we a wee Ben. A wee Ben Ben. A wee Ben Ben. Back by popular demand, there was a re-release of E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Okay, yeah, that's good.
1: First alien film in which the alien was a good guy. Is that a fact? Apparently so. wow. I mean, I I think, you know, like, there probably is some much shite, but generally, until E.T. was quite well known as being the first time when aliens weren't, like, there to destroy us.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. And, of course, the movie we're discussing today, Back to the Future... So, Back to the Future is a 1985 sci-fi classic directed by Robert Zemeckis and follows Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly, a cocky 1980s teen who ends up back in the 1950s when an experiment by his eccentric scientist friend Doug Brown, played by Christopher Lloyd, goes awry. Whilst back in time, Marty is tasked with making sure that his parents fall in love to prevent him from being erased from history. Now, the movie is considered one of the all-time greats, so I'm asking this very tentatively, what do you think of this film?
1: I think Robert Zemeckis had one of the greatest falls of grace of any director of all time.
2: <laughs> I know you're not about to badmouth the polar Express, expressive.
1: No, but that, well, that's, that's that's on the way down, Alex. The way that's down. That's on the way right, down. Yeah. But like he goes from like Bats of the Future. I mean, there's even Romancing in the Stone before that. Um, Bats of the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Well, all the Bats of the Futures. Yes, then um, like Death Becomes Her, Forrest oh, Gump, which, great, great. Contact, and then we start getting a bit okay what lies beneath castaway polar express and then beowulf shocking christmas carol (laughs) shocking then we go all the way to all the his entire invested interest into that weird motion capture thing i think he was involved in mars needs moms which is the the greatest box office bomb of all time uh he went went downhill for you rob (laughs) he invested all his money in the wrong places he should have carried on making back to the future forever
0: i mean i disagree with that part <laughs>
1: <laughs> no the film's all right it's it's an absolute classic um i it's... i just think you can watch it at any time in any mood um to just make you feel good i think it's nostalgic from the first watch i think if you showed it anyone it's almost so part of pop culture it's continued in every probably um era of some relevance like even to the point of when what it was set Two, three years ago in the future part, was it? No, it was a bit longer now, wasn't it? When we're talking about the they brought out the Nike is it the Nikes for that and yeah, it talks yeah. about the hoverboard. It just seems to always come back in discussion. And also probably because of the career that Michael J. Fox had, it kinda like cements it as as well as a moment in time, like this is his moment. For all the unfortunate things that he's had to cope with in life, like this is this is his peak. And it started off at, at the peak. Um and it just feels like all oh, what could have been and you know, the the first two were absolutely stellar. The third one's fine, but this is, this is just such a classic film.
0: I completely agree, uh, Alex.
2: Uh, I was watching a video recently where it came up on some sort of feed of Quentin Tarantino talking about the six perfect films. Have you ever oh, seen yeah. this before? His yeah, 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 interview guess, yeah. where he says there has only ever been six perfect films. I don't know how he has such recall of what the six his six the Jackie six Brown, films are. Pulp Fiction, <laughs> Reservoir <Riss about> Dogs, <laughs> his own yeah, films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, apparently Back to the Future is a perfect film in his eyes.
1: Yeah, But when he says some of those other ones, it kind of questions the...
2: Well, yeah, so Jaws, you get it. The Exorcist, yeah. But then Annie Hall, I mean, I've seen it. Is it perfect? No. Mm-hmm. The Wild Bunch I've never even heard of. <laughs> and then the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Interesting. Besides it's the nice. point, Back to the Future in his eyes is a perfect film. I don't know if it's a perfect film, but I, I do know kind of what he means when he says it. It's kind of like... It's like a feeling that you sort of have when you're watching it, like that the and Zemeckis in this case and, and everyone involved in making it, kind of they knew exactly where they wanted you to be at all times while you were watching it. In terms of your like kind of yeah. progression through the story, they, you when you it feels like when you're watching it, you know how to feel in each moment, where to laugh, where to feel slightly uncomfortable or awkward, where to be surprised. It's like the film is kind of like in you; it kind of knows you too well, <laughs> but not in a creepy yeah. way. Sort of like. You're just kind of like are sitting there, and it's just like in the back seat, and it's just you're just allowing it to drive you around because you feel in very capable hands, and and it's just like it's just like a feeling you get from the very first moment that the film starts with that kind of like scene where all the sort of inventions are kind of whirring and ticking and doing their bits. It's like you know that you are sort of being directed by by masters of the craft almost it's weird it's i don't know what it is it's just like you just feel very comfortable in the film uh, yeah i think it's yes. like a
1: it's an, it's an ode to like timing like time is so conscious in the film in everything in every part of it's a screenplay it's a very and precise film in a film which yeah. in which the kind of the narrative is based on the idea of you're running out of time and if that's handled well it's, it is it le- leads the perfect narrative because you're never bored you're in in a constant pressure of like oh my god how are they going to do this but how you can do that and instill in the kind of the, the softer moments, the slice of life moments, not feel like like it does in some films of you're talking too long, you're running out of time. It does it perfectly. Wasted time. I think like yeah, everything, yeah. everywhere all at once is like that as well. Like this feeling of like you, it's feeling of you need to hurry, but it allows the the true connected moments between characters to breathe. And it doesn't feel like I, I'm I'm someone in films who can I, you can always see like you know it said we've got three minutes left and that scene's gone on for five minutes and you know like hang on a second what's going and then it
0: clips back to the clock and it says
1: we've got two minutes left it's like you were just talking for four minutes <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh god it's so annoying when films do like a 10-second countdown and it's like thirty five seconds and, and, and yeah
1: yeah exactly but Back to the Future doesn't feel like it just feels like it's on a constant beat like it's it's perfectly yes. unraveling bit mm-hmm. by bit while still feeling I guess it's a balance between pressured and. Like, giving it breathing space.
2: Yeah, and it just feels like all the moments that happen are so well connected to where they were supposed to be connected in terms of, like, the time travel stuff. like and There's there's flaws, I guess, in time travel concept, as there is in every film. But it feels like everything that is positioned... Like, there's a really good moment in that opening scene where there's a news report about the plutonium being stolen and then, like, at the end of the montage, you see it under the table, it's kind of like
0: just every sort yep. of bit has been thought through yeah, yeah. and you, you see the guy hanging from the clock tower uh, yeah.
1: yeah 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 the harold lloyd tribute
0: yeah it's just they're
2: they're all sort of just everything has a has a has, comes back around again in the right way um and it just feels very thought through i think it's, it's kind of odd because i do think it, it in so many ways it's such a great film but to me personally it hasn't really ever meant that much to me as a film i know like it's is really important to UD, but i've only ever seen it a couple of times um but i think that's just more me it just i just didn't probably didn't see it at the right time but the couple of times i have seen it, i've just very much enjoyed
0: it yeah
1: i mean i know we're not going to talk about it on this but the orchestral piece of the theme for back to future like is is incredible as well like how that building to the i guess the the final scene is incredible yeah. Uh, and just how it's used. Yeah, it's so Alan um, Silvestri. Like the, whole, the, the whole film is a car chase, innit? it? The whole film is a car chase. <laughs>
0: it's like a perpetual motion machine. It just keeps yeah, absolutely.
1: going.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, as Alex mentioned, I love this movie. I love this franchise. The sequel is my personal favourite movie of all time. And for the audience keeping score, it's another movie that I have tattooed on me. I have the, the hoverboard tattooed on my forearm, which I had done on October 21st,
1: 2015.
0: Nice. But kind of on the first one, though. For me, similar to what Ben said, it's a movie I feel I can put on... Anytime, jump in at any point and watch it to the end and enjoy every last second of it. Yep. I love the stereotypical and deliberately flawed characters. I love the lived-in aesthetic of the whole place. Like Hill Valley feels like a real place. <laughs> yeah. I love the story and the time travel. I think it just handles it all so well. I, what I really enjoy about, again, the whole franchise, and you guys sort of said similar, I just love the way it handles the rules of time travel and, and the repercussions of breaking the rules of time travel. Mm-hmm. It's just a move away. Every single part works. It's like gears working together, and it all comes together wonderfully. Yeah. Which is a terrible segue to the troubled production of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I hope you two are comfortable and sat down. And if you're not sat down, I don't know why would why you would stand up to record a podcast. <laughs> uh, but I hope you sat down because there's an absolute jiggawatt of production troubles with this movie. Jiggerwatt. <laughs> so the movie's concept came about when one of the screenwriters, Bob Gale was at his parents' house looking at his father's high school yearbook, wondering, would I have been friends with my dad? He decided that he wouldn't be, but he did think it was an interesting concept for a movie, which he shared with Robert Zemeckis. Uh, Together, they wrote up a script and pitched it to Columbia Pictures president, Frank Price, who didn't like it. Frank Price said they needed significant improvements. Some of the concepts from the first draft was that 1985 becomes futuristic at the end, which I guess they sort of played with in the sequel. Uh, George McFly becomes a world famous boxer after <laughs> punching Biff and uh, Marty powers up the time machine in 1955 by driving into a nuclear explosion with a bottle of Coke.
1: Uh, okay. Well, it's one of those things. It on paper, some of these, some of the actual bits wouldn't make much sense, but you know how it's done.
0: That's that's true. With those ideas, I can sort of imagine if you're writing a script thinking, oh yeah, that's a really good idea. And then when you say it out loud, it's like, nah, it, it seems a bit too convoluted.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Again, to so read a second reference, you write everything everywhere all at once on paper and it just seems an absolute sh- shit show.
2: I mean, how do you how, how do you write that film on paper? The only people
1: that also wrote Swiss Army Man. You know, because, <laughs> well, <yes. laughs>
0: uh, anyway, the script was re- re- reworked and Frank Price liked it, but opted against giving it the go as it didn't think it would have much appeal to the mass audience, um, especially as most comedies <laughs> around the time were far more sexual, so you, your porkies, your animal houses... And Back to the Future God, the was, po- was very tame in comparison. <laughs> we're, we're
1: <laughs> using
0: Porky's as a reference for any kind of
1: bar. <laughs> That's what it used. God, we, need, I think, we, need, we need more peepholes in, in changing rooms for this film to be successful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Bob Gale and Zemeckis offered it to over 40 different production companies, including Disney, who all turned it down. So the script sat dormant for a couple of years. As Ben mentioned, Robert Zemeckis went off and directed Romance in the Stone which ended up being a huge surprise success and handed our boy Rob enough credibility to return to Back to the Future and press on with finding a real home for it. Enter Steven Spielberg.
1: <gasps> Senor Spielberg. Spielberg.
0: So Spielberg had just set up Amblin Entertainment under Universal at that point and was contacted by Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis about taking on Back to the Future. And it was go time.
1: All guns blazing.
0: There was a large bit of legal wrangling required to get the project from Columbia to Amblin and Universal. But this section is already massively long, so i cut that. Uh, so the long story short <laughs> is that Back <laughs> to the Future, now where Spielberg's clout is getting made. It's
1: amazing just how the influence that one person had.
0: Yeah. Fun story before I move on from this relentless production history. Uh, I wrote it, so you don't have to enjoy it. Uh, Universal didn't like the movie's title and suggested an alternative, Spaceman from Pluto. Love it. What? Which is a terrible name. Terrible name.
1: <laughs> How is Back to the Future not a great name?
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, the reason I thought I'd mention this is because of the way Spielberg batted away the request. He won't respond saying, Hi, thanks for your humorous memo. We all got a big laugh out of it. Keep them coming. <laughs> Keep them coming. <laughs> um, Spielberg bet that the people would be too embarrassed to say it was a serious suggestion. And it worked. Yeah, It's hilarious. Keep them coming. <laughs> Uh, Now, this feels like one of those obscure fun facts which everybody knows, which we've talked about before on the podcast, with the most famous example being... So, a famous fact
2: that everybody knows.
0: Yeah, everyone thinks it's an obscure fun fact. We've talked about this podcast before. From this film? Definitely, No, not about this film, just generally.
1: A a general obscure fun fact about film? (sighs) Jesus Christy.
0: Christ. It's that Big Mo... Oh, Gary it's Gary Oldman's sister. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we have spoken about
2: that before.
1: Big <laughs> fact. Sorry. Jesus Christ.
2: Anyway, that, I was, that, was, that I was was well behind,
1: well behind on that one. It was painful. Yeah, I thought you'd cut out, but it was actually you setting up the joke.
2: <laughs> I was just I was just broken for a second, and like, uh, what? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Big Mo being Gary Oldman's sister, you can splice
0: it in there. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. So it's hard to imagine Back to the Future without Michael J. Fox's performance now, but originally that wasn't going to be the case, which is the fun fact everybody knows. So Michael J. Fox was their first choice, but he was tied up on family ties. Yeah. Uh, so a huge list of actors were auditioned nice. for Martin McFly. I've gone through it. Like it's it was a massive list. So I've picked out the names that we'll recognize, and I want to get your thoughts on each one. Mm-hmm. Just quick thoughts on each one. John Cusack. Well, he
1: just, he, just exi- he was just Mr. Eighties, wasn't he?
0: <laughs> he was just in other films.
1: I don't think he's got the
2: kind of like the he hasn't got the like, slight goofiness required.
1: No. John Cusack only plays Jon though.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, Johnny Depp, <laughs> uh, hard pass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. okay, okay. Uh, Ralph Macchio.
1: Oh <laughs> <Well>, yes. <laughs> what could have been?
0: <laughs> Charlie Sheen,
2: again, hard pass.
1: I I can see that though. No, he's too. Yeah. He, he
2: was too cool no, for school. No, wasn't but him? I
1: mean what put shots. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but that, bit he's
2: he's playing it straight. He's playing
1: a cool person. He's playing it straight. He
2: is
0: though, isn't he? He's playing it straight. <laughs> yeah, in
1: well, ish, as as much as like Leslie Nielsen's playing it straight,
0: <laughs> Okay, n- next one on a similar theme, John Cryer. Yeah,
2: yeah, I mean that makes more sense. I mean obviously he was in Pretty in Pink wasn't he around this time? Yeah, okay. But he's more of a goofball
0: role, so I can kind of see that making slightly more sense. Ben Stiller.
2: Uh, was Ben still uh, around? In, and, he
0: and, uh, was he in? That's what he said. I, it's what he said. Yeah, no, not denying. No. I didn't question the list. I just merely made it much shorter. Billy Zane. <laughs> yes, I mean, <laughs> everything oh, <seriously>. better <laughs> with Billy
1: Zane. Billy Zane makes Titanic. Billy Zane would have been a great Biff.
0: Biff would have been great in every role. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's like a Markovich
0: I didn't include it because it was really long. But Billy Zane also auditioned for the role of Biff.
1: Nice. <laughs> <It> Could have <laughs> worked. Could have worked.
0: Which is why they were like, "Yeah, we we like you. You can have a role in the film." <laughs> Uh, Robert Downey called- Jr.
1: Yeah, well, it would have worked, but you know, he's probably um, buried in things.
0: <laughs> and finally, and the most interesting one, Eric Stoltz.
1: Uh, uh, I no, I just I can't. Well, I'm, I'm struggling to picture it. Though.
0: Well, you have to picture it because he was selected. So Eric Stoltz would get the was role he? on Universal's request. They liked him in Rocky Dennis, as, sorry, as Rocky Dennis in Mask. So Eric Stoltz was cast. Melora Hardin, as in Jen from The Office, was cast as Jennifer. And Doc Brown was cast. John Lithgow. John Lithgow. Okay. John
1: Lithgow. What, what
0: could have been those three?
1: John, John Lithgow is one of those actors though that you 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 when you picture him you think of like certain roles. And actually he he had such a wide ranging like films in like the eighteen nineties. Yeah. Like, yeah. is it um which is the Brian De Palma film where he plays the the serial killer? He's incredible
0: in it. Uh, season four uh, of Dexter. <laughs> Did you say Jan from The Office, Dee? Yeah, so Laura Harding was yeah. was going to be Jennifer, yeah. Well, I'm surprised Matthew Broderick wasn't considered. Was this before yeah. Ferris Bueller? Yeah, that does seem weird, Because yeah. that seems
2: like he would be a logical choice for
0: this. Yeah, so John Lifgow had to pull out, so Christopher Lloyd got the role afterwards, but not before, and there's another list of names, Jeff Goldblum. Hmm. Robin Williams. Uh, Robbie Williams. I mean, well, have... Robin. Robin Williams, Alex. <laughs> Robbie <laughs> <Robin> Williams. <laughs> it was basically his flubber. Yeah. I mean Robin Williams would have made it work, wouldn't he? I mean let like deny it would have, have been good. Um John Cleese. Terrible. Mm. <laughs> Mandy Patinkin. Um Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, would have been, nah,
0: that would have been a film. God. And finally James Woods. Oh, James
1: yeah, Woods. Yeah, I can see it. The Gene Hackman one, that was it. He was he was—he was, he was sent a different script.
0: <laughs> yeah. So with the cast now in place, filming begun, but something wasn't feeling quite right, Eric Stoltz's portrayal of Martin McFly was being perceived as too intense and too serious and not having that, air quotes, screwball energy they were looking for. Uh, plus, there was apparently some problems offset because Eric Stoltz would try staying character and refuse to respond to his own name. <laughs> um, but there seems to be like conflicting reports on that. So it was out with Stoltz, who to replace him. They only had one pick, and it was Michael J. Fox, but they still had the issue that he was on Family Ties. So eventually they cut a deal with the producers of the sitcom. So during the day, Michael would film Family Ties, and then in the evening, film Back to the Future. And the rest, as they say, is history. Mm -hmm. Yeah, future history. No, wait, what about Stoltz?
1: I hear you ask.
0: Yeah, so the deal had been done for Fox to join the movie, but now they had a lead star to get rid of. Zemeckis described informing Stoltz of his firing as the hardest meeting he's ever had in his life, saying it was all my fault. I broke Stoltz's heart.
1: Oh, nice. well, it's all right. He went on to a, huge, a fantastic career afterwards.
0: Well, Stoltz reported to have told his makeup artist that he was not a comedian, so didn't understand why he was cast in a comedic role, which is completely fair. And I felt sorry for him after reading that. Bob Gale would describe him as a great actor in the wrong role.
1: Mm,
0: poor Gale. Uh, fun fact or depressing fact if your name is Eric Stoltz. God, is really piling on Eric Stoltz. Stoltz wasn't aware that Fox was replacing him until a week after Fox had signed Ooh. up. So basically Spielberg had told Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis that if they stopped production for a week, the movie may have its production cancelled. So they had to continue filming with Stoltz, knowing they were never going to use <laughs> any of the material.
1: Where's the camera? Oh, don't worry, we run in, Eric. We're doing it, look.
0: You say that, Ben. The cast behind the scenes was suspicious when they realised that some of the cameras facing him were turned nice. off.
1: Nice.
0: And um, a few of the people doing the set dressing were told to leave up the 1955 dressing, even though it was a scene for 1985.
1: It's like some sort of weird Truman show where everyone's <laughs> doing this thing very stalled.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's awful, isn't it? It is. Anyway, movie's done. Michael J. Fox has nailed it. And it's time to hear what the critics thought. It was a critical and commercial success I and mean, remains a beloved franchise to this day. At the time, it made a whopping $385 million on a budget of just 19 million. That is good. Uh, which is that an is insane good. return. Despite the fact they filmed the first quarter of the film twice. <laughs> and with all the re-releases, that number keeps going up. All the re-releases made it very difficult to find out what the actual number was for how much it made in its initial release, because it's it's had Five official re-releases in the past ten years. Is this? I think if a film ever comes out as when it says, like, oh, it's the
1: 20th anniversary, they're tricking you. <laughs> if it was good enough, you would have already released it.
0: Did you go see The Wickerman's recent re-release, Alex? I didn't, no. I would have liked to. I saw people complaining that, much like when I went to see uh, Glass <laughs> it was Onion... Not the, it was not the <laughs> Nicolas Cage one. <laughs> no, it had loads of, like, Edith Bowman interviews beforehand, and oh, it just kept going yeah. and going. yeah then i am glad i did not (laughs) yeah so awards wise i'm not gonna waste time more so with the golden globes uh so it was nominated for (laughs) academy awards and successfully picked up one it won best sound effects editing whilst also being nominated for best original screenplay best sound and most importantly for this podcast best original song but which song and what did it lose out to find out in the next segment (laughs) when we talk about the songs from this movie So, there are four main songs in Back to the Future. Well, three. Do we want to talk about the rendition of Earth Angel? I've got no notes on it, but you can quickly give your opinion, should you have any now.
1: Uh, If you say, oh, do you know that Earth Angel song? I'd say, oh, the one from Back to the Future, and they'd say yes, and I would say no. (laughs) 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 Well,
2: I I recognise this more than one of the uh, Huey Lewis songs that is on this list. But I don't know if this scene, because this scene has been parodied in lots of stuff and they've used this song. But I knew that this song was... But I think I knew it was from a prom scene, but I maybe didn't know it was from this film. I was thinking, maybe is it the song from Greece? <laughs> is
1: it is it the slow dance song? Yeah. Like in a, the quintessential movie slow dance song? But like my is it sort of like
2: playing the notes incorrect. Like he, he keeps like dropping the notes because it's when he's turning invisible on the, uh, the
0: picture. Sorry, yes, right, isn't he's, yeah. when he's fading away, yeah. He's fading away. Okay, cool. I like. So, ignoring Earth Angel, ignoring <laughs> Earth Angel, Alex, there are three main songs in Back to the Future. We have The Power of Love and Back in Time by Huey Lewis and the News, as well as Johnny Be Good by Marty McFly. <laughs> Not the other guy. Uh, we'll start with the first of the two Huey Lewis songs, which also just happens to be the first song in the movie, The Power of Love. So, the song plays out as Marty makes his way to school, skateboarding or skitching a ride on the back of a pickup. Uh, soon we'll hear Marty's band. The pinheads performing a more hard rock version of the song at a school mm. talent show tryout, uh, but are told by the judges that it's just too darn loud. <laughs> that judge happens to be Huey Lewis in a funnier oh, yeah. cameo.
1: Doesn't I, I learned that recently. Yeah.
0: What do you guys think of this
2: song? I mean, I like the song. I like the song. I really like the scene that the song is in more so, and everyone. One of the main things that a lot of people remember about the film. And I think like when I've read reviews about it, like people who saw it at the time. Uh, is the riding on, on holding onto the back of the car while being on a skateboard, which is quite prominent in yeah. the beginning. Um, so yeah, I, I like the song. I don't don't know if lyrically whether I connect it to what goes on that much in the film mm-hmm. itself, but I think obviously the vibe of the music fits really well with it, especially when you. It's funny because obviously we're watching it from we're watching an '80s movie for nostalgia, but the film is about '50s nostalgia, so it's kind of odd in some ways. But for me, that that '80s kind of like intro, especially the I guess it's key like synth like synth rock, just has a real wave of nostalgia for the '80s. So I I don't know it's intrinsically linked to this film. I don't think I ever hear this song and don't think of this film. I don't know if it has much of a life outside of it being connected to this film. But yeah, it's a good song.
1: Well, which which is the Huey Lewis song that's in American Psycho? Um, him to be square he puts it on and he starts talking. Him sta- to, to be square, yeah, so. yeah, he starts talking in in, in really detail. Yeah, well, I, I I guess I always think of that because he he in American Psycho he plays that because of almost the dichotomy between what he's about to do and just the, almost the the cheesy bubblegum aspect of Huey Lewis. <laughs> and I guess I associate that with him in the Back to Future. It's very. It's a very upbeat, clean song. I think same with Alex. I remember the scene more. I, the, the lyrics don't really mean much. It just feels like it's it's a it's a pumping up song, like getting you ready. It's like a typical sort of like the day is dawning kind of song, you know, <laughs> like oh, like a, not, not necessarily opening onto a film like we talked about last time with Midnight Cowboy. It's like this, um, like th- it sets you up for this is the pace we're going at, you know, like he's gripping onto the back of the car and going around, like, get, you know, keep up that's what the song feels like
0: yeah i think you're completely right there ben unsurprisingly i love this song uh i was kind of disappointed that alex said that he had uh no memory of it outside of like its connection to the film because it was played at my wedding
2: <laughs> well i didn't say it in you guys I have no were there.
0: memory of it outside of it being connected to the film i just don't i don't
2: really hear it as other than being connected to this film and when i was at your wedding i was playing that song from back to the future
0: i recognize this song from somewhere to his wedding <laughs> so audience if you're looking for a song to get people of all ages onto the dance floor let me recommend this song because it worked at my wedding in terms of the history of how this song came to be huey lewis was approached to write this theme song for the film by bob gales Mekis, and spielberg the trio pitched the idea of huey lewis writing a song and said they intended to make huey lewis and the news Martin mcfly's favorite band it didn't really work because huey lewis rejected the opportunity he said he didn't want to participate because he did not know how to write film songs and certainly did not want to try and write in a song called Back to the Future. Which, I mean, what rhymes with future? Karma Sutra. Okay. Um, Phil Kutra. I feel like he really is correct here. Cool. Not to write a song called Back <laughs> to the Future based on some of these suggestions. <laughs> I don't know. Back to the Future. <laughs> Karma Sutra.
1: Write this song. I, I like that. I like yeah. It seems fa- family friendly. Family friendly. <laughs> Something, something, Burt Ward. It rhymes itself. Rhymes with future. Moocha? Computer? Yeah,
0: kombucha. Kombucha? Kombucha, Kama Sutra, karma Police. That that, that sounds more like a Dire Straits song. (laughs) Uh. Mini the Moocha. Anyway, later, Zemeckis assured Lewis that he didn't have to call it Back to the Future, and he could write any song he wanted, and it didn't have to be related to the film. Lewis finally agreed and literally submitted the next song he wrote, which just so happened to be The Power of Love. <laughs> so if you're wondering why it has no connection to the film, it's because he literally just went, whatever, have that.
1: Here you go. Is, is this the most famous song called The Power of Love?
0: No. Uh,
1: well, I guess it, 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 there's, there's a few. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's a few. Which one are you thinking, Alex? <laughs> well,
1: I mean, the only the only other biggie one that I guess he jumps through is I think is, uh, is it "Frankie Goes to Hollywood."
0: Yeah, there's obviously "Frankie Goes to
1: Hollywood."
2: Jennifer Rush, come on.
1: And then the Jennifer Rush, which is obviously the uh, the one I'm insinuating for, but the "Frankie Goes to Hollywood" one is a quite a big song. I
2: mean, they're, they're they're probably all pretty all pretty famous. I think the Jennifer Rush song was number one for a very very long time in this country. It's
1: still number one in my heart as well.
2: Well, it's always number one in, <laughs> in my heart.
1: I me and me and Alex, me and Alex, so as five year olds, bonded over this song. That's why we became friends.
2: Yeah, we used to sing it to people over <laughs> Xbox Live while we played Halo.
1: <laughs> it's very true, actual true. Do you want to
0: give us a little rendition now?
1: Whispers in the morning. <laughs> uh, I need to put my, uh, I need to put the um, the thingy shoulder pads on <laughs> to actually hit those notes. Wear a power suit. I'll
2: protect you from the hooded claw. <laughs> Just you know, gotta get gotta get all the versions in there.
1: Cause I am your lady. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fucking. Okay, no, oh my gosh.
0: June.
1: <laughs> is day. that in any film? Is
0: that in any film? It does sound like it should be in a film,
2: right? It, it probably. Right, think, back, I think. I think it is. I think. Did we not cover a film where it was on the soundtrack? Like something like like Top Gun or something, and it was on the soundtrack.
0: Keep going. Keep going I'll find out. Anyway, Alright, I'll keep going. So the Huey Lewis version of of the Power of Love, his version, he wrote, not his cover ver- version of someone else's, uh, was a hit around the world. It gave the band their first number one on the billboard with Hot One Hundred chart mm. and as alluded to earlier, earned an Academy Award nomination for best original song. Mm-hmm. It didn't win. Sorry guys. Boo. Shame. It lost out to another classic. Lionel Rich's Say You, Say Me, from White Knights.
1: From the um the, what's the advert it was on? Extra crunchy. <laughs>
0: <Was that one>? <laughs> <laughs> it was, I just think of the bit in the Simpsons where it's like Bear me, bear you, bear us together. <laughs> say you,
1: say me. Walker's Extra Crunchy advert featuring Lionel Richie. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: save all that information for when we do White Nights though, Ben. Brilliant. As if they didn't have the song Knights of White Sand" as the theme song.
1: Would, would Jennifer Rush's The Power of Love been a better opening to this film? <laughs> It'd have been a different as he's, as he's grasping onto the back of the car. The whispers in the morning. Oh god. <laughs>
0: anyway, so jumping over to the second of our Huey Lewis and the News <laughs> double bill, we have "Back in Time," only appearing as a background music in the movie, but played in full as the credits begin to roll. I feel like this is kind of the forgotten child of this movie when it comes to its original oh, yeah, songs. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you guys think of this one? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd never heard the song before in my life. Can
1: you? How often can you play like trumpets in a song and it take and take it seriously? Like, I feel like it just. After it's always Jim has the Rizzle Kicks. I mean, it's a defence I never expected for the, my uh, <laughs> keeping in Scar.
0: Rizzle Kicks were the greatest Scar band of all time. <laughs>
1: wow. <laughs> yeah, they, that was their moniker, I think.
0: Mamma do the help, ho- oh Mamma do the help, help.
1: Rizzle Kicks mentioned. <laughs> Anyone expect that? Anyone that on the bingo card? Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's It's cheese. I don't know what I'm trying to think of, why is Power of Love, why do I find the Power of Love not cheesy? Is it just because I, it's nostalgia with the connection to the film? And maybe mm-hmm. without the rose-tinted glasses of how much I love Back to the
0: Future, that actually, without them, Huey Lewis is <laughs> trash. Well, do you find Hip to be Square also cheesy? Because it might just yeah, be a Huey well, Lewis yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. The only one I
1: could probably listen to and enjoy like completely separate is Power of Love. Like, I could not listen to Hip to be Square, <laughs> seriously. Unless I was wearing it, my, faded, my faded denim jeans yeah, and I was trying to see if they fit in my ass. <laughs> and I feel like that's all you do.
2: Does it, feature, does it feature in the film at any point?
0: Or is it like a closing credits? It's just background music it's a background few times. Um, and it appears in the sequel and the third one. right? Uh, again, it's background music. Like In the third one, when Needles, as in Flea, turns up in his car, he's listening to this song. It doesn't quite have the impact of the power of love. It's, it's interesting, given what you said about him not wanting to write a song called Back to the Future,
2: he, has, <laughs> he, just, he just happens to have a song called Back in Time, or did he write the song for the
0: film later? Like, I don't understand that. Like, he, he didn't want to write a song for the film. Great question, Alex. Okay, Great question. It. It's like you're reading my notes, Okay, and I like it. <laughs> so unlike the mission to convince Huey Lewis with the previous song, this time it was as simple as an asking for another song, uh, which Huey, in his words, reluctantly agreed to do. But this time he read the script to the movie, writing a song following the similar story beats. Of course, with The Power of Love, he had commented that he didn't know how to write movie songs. So this time, writing a movie song specifically about the movie was quite the turntables. Yes. Lewis, regarding writing the song, said, It turned out that it's actually quite easy to write a song for a film. In a way, it's easier, as you don't have to invest yourself in it. It was a lot of fun.
1: Nice. Oh, Basically just saying, like, yeah, it was fantastic picking up a paycheck like
0: this. Well, I'm assuming you got paid double for writing two songs it wasn't just a case of like you get some royalties for the soundtrack i don't know
1: acting credit as well
0: that is true because the lyrics to this one
2: are like sort of like tell me doctor where we going this time is this the 50s or 1999 so it was very much writing to the sort of rough he'd actually got
1: the script or at least the the footnotes yeah yeah. but then
2: the last the last sort of like 20 lines of those gotta get back in time gotta get back in time get me back in time
1: yeah i mean it just makes you think more doesn't it the power of love like love is not essential focus of, the, of like, the narrative, really. It's not like it's not a lovey-dovey film.
0: Yeah, it's about making his parents fall back like, in love.
1: Well, yeah, but... Well, not
0: back in love, because they're not in love yet. Time travel. I mean,
1: if Adam loves the film, his mum's in love with him. Yeah. That's a power of love. Time travel. Next song.
0: So, rounding out the songs we're talking about today is not an original creation for this movie, but one which is incredibly linked to this movie in pop culture. It's the legendary guitarist chuck berry's johnny be good the song is a semi-autobiographical story about a young black boy who although illiterate has the natural ability to play guitar and hopes he can maybe use that ability to become successful (laughs) before we talk about its use in the movie and we will get to that very soon what are your quick thoughts on just the song
1: yeah i i always find it weird because i'm always thinking of the the chuck berry version and then when you hear it singing and it's obviously not that version is mm-hmm. always always catches me out, but probably better because yeah, as as in as as famous and influential, and yeah, as as a very good guitarist that Chuck Berry was, he was also a pretty disgusting person. <laughs>
0: so uh, it's probably good that the film that actually the film is not him singing. That that is fair. And uh, if you want to know more about Chuck Berry, have a look at his Wikipedia page. It's uh, it's quite a read.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's, there's loads. Okay. <laughs> it's quite... It's quite, it is quite a read, yeah. It's quite like some, some of his famous songs as well. He was just basically writing about some of the stuff he used to go to. It wasn't good.
2: What do you think of it, Alex? Well, I had forgot... I mean, well, actually, because I'll be going on to uh, talking about the scene. I uh, like the song a lot. I think it's very good. And I, I feel like I knew this song before... I saw this film. It was a caravan classic. You know, you got played at the caravan. But the caravan's been covered a lot on this uh, podcast at times. Yeah. Not so much recently, though, but we're back. We're back at the caravan. Bringing it back. Yeah, bringing it back. So very very aware of the song. Very much liked it. Yeah. And nothing more really to it say a it's, a class- it's a classic of the rock and roll genre, isn't it? It's one of the, the original yeah. rock and roll songs,
0: as, as is uh, outlined yeah. in the film. Someone who yeah. agreed yeah. with you was Rolling Stone. They put it as their seventh greatest song of all time. Mm-hmm. And the number one greatest guitar song of all time. Well, wow, okay. I wonder if it was on their updated list. Um, I leave that kind of thing to you, Ben. You're you're the guy that likes uh, like Rolling no, Stones no. lists. AFI's I, lists. I just like lists. I like <laughs> lists.
1: Love a list. Yeah, it it is one of those. I mean the the guitar is incredible in it.
0: Yeah.
2: It's just that intro as well. It's just like so iconic.
0: Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I feel like every single American 50s-style diner of ever being plays this song at some point.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a proper rockabilly sort of, yeah. like, yeah, you kind of start doing I can it. see
0: red and white tiles everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Bowling shirts. Yes. Uh, so in the movie, the song is performed by Martin McFly and the Starlighters band in 1955. However, the performance goes down like a lead balloon with the audience, leading to one of the all-time great movie quotes. I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet, but your kids are going to love it. Mm-hmm. There is a lot to unpick with this scene, so I'll just open up the floor to you. Is it, So it's, it's not Michael J. Fox singing, is N- it? No, it's not. No, do no. you want to go into that now? Yeah, please, please
1: tell us, because okay. yeah, I, I want
0: to know. Okay, yeah, so it's not Chuck Berry singing, and it's not Michael J. Fox singing either, so apologies to the audience members who have just had that ruined for them. That was an illusion-shattering moment. It's actually a singer called Mark Campbell from the band Jack Mack and The Heart Attack. Great name for a band.
1: That sounds like a band that plays specifically and only
0: proms. (laughs) It does. Perfect for the role. But however, to preserve the secret, it it wasn't Michael J. Fox's voice. Mark Campbell wasn't credited in the film. Uh, Instead, he's relegated to the special thanks section. I I mean, surely you can't think
1: it's Michael J. Fox when you watch it. It doesn't sound anything
0: like him. Yeah, Yeah, the voice doesn't match whatsoever. Which is actually something that Mark Campbell called out saying he had more of like a Ohio yeah, accent. Yeah, I, I
1: would have been well annoyed. It's not. It's like, like uh, Rebecca Ferguson in uh, Great Showman.
0: Yeah, where well, she really sells it. She does really sell it, yeah. yeah. Again, fun fact, but less funny if your name is Mark Campbell, is that because he didn't get much revenue or recognition for this, the movie music supervisor, Burns Howe, great name, Wow. ensured that Mark Campbell got a percentage of the soundtrack's profit and when the soundtrack did well, he was presented with the gold record version of the album. Oh,
1: well that's good. That's good.
0: Matt Campbell is good friends with Huey Lewis. And apparently often when he meets him, he thanks him because he's still getting residuals from the Back to the Future soundtrack to this day <laughs> because of people wanting the Huey Lewis songs. Nice.
1: Yeah. It is such a celebra- celebratory moment. Like it kind of does bookend the film really well. Yeah. I guess a lot of films, and it is a common trope that it builds up to the prom. Like a prom is such a... Stereotypical final act ending, you know, yeah, it's in like, ev- it's like a in across lock, every genre. There? Yeah, absolutely. I guess it's the end of the year sort of celebration. Everything's um,
0: built into this, guys.
1: Yeah, it's probably, it's probably one of the standout ones.
0: Yeah, on many places it's described as one of the all time greatest movie music performances, and it's mm. it's quite difficult to argue against it. Yeah. So, Chuck Berry, actually, we've held his permission to use Johnny Be Good in Back to the Future until the day before filming this scene. Okay. it clearly worked because basically he was holding out for more money and okay. gail and zemeckis wrote a check for 50 grand and chug berry accepted it there and then nice well there you go chuck so i guess we have to talk about was Chuck berry influenced by a young white american kid
1: <laughs> well
0: this Discuss. Quite many. did he take him
1: across the state lines like he did with that girl God. i mean that's one of the only facts i remember first finding out that he was a bit of a um you know a sex offender that he he just yes. re- he, he would really like a 14 year old girl so much that he took her across state lines to, to like try and like you know avoid like the laws in the state that he was in <laughs> you know it, it's one of those things i guess you know we' we've, we've had a few examples of this on the podcast where can you separate art from artist I still don't know what the answer to that is um I think it helps for this film because it's not him like is I know it's he's, he's so it's obviously associated with him because of the guitar, especially because it's such an iconic, like Alex said, opening. But I can watch this and not feel like feel bad about myself, unlike Space Jam.
0: <laughs> That's true. Well, so how do you feel about specifically Marvin Berry, Chuck Berry's real life cousin, of course? Uh. <laughs> picking up the phone and saying, listen to this. Listen. It's the, 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 not his real-life cousin, that was a joke. Yeah, Anyone but, listening. The line is so contrived, though, because, like, why? Why would he say, it's Marvin, Marvin Berry? <laughs> and it's like, well... Your cousin Marvin, you know that new sound you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. On the phone, that would sound just like... <sighs> you would not be able to hear what's going on that close to a speaker. And as I'm sure many people have pointed out, he missed the first half of the song.
2: So, how did he write it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did he, he write true. it from here? Do, you know,
1: do you know if, um prior to this, was this Chuck Berry's famous, most famous song? Do you
0: know? I don't know, actually. I think uh, it probably didn't is. He, he did like like it. I say, it's got a very ropey Wikipedia page, and I didn't want to spend much time on it.
1: Yeah, well, yeah.
0: It has, like, Rollover Beethoven, doesn't it? Which are, is that yeah,
1: there's, there's, a, there's a few. There's, like, Maybelline, My Dingaling. <laughs>
0: Is it doing one about Rudolph or My, something? Most,
1: most, I guess, minding links, I associate more with Milhouse now. but
0: <laughs> Yeah, same.
1: I just, I don't know, probably it has to be. I mean, I know he like Christmas. Run Run Rudolph, like, run, that's yeah, what I was trying yeah, to run, think of. Rudolph, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I probably it was this song all the time, wasn't it? Probably. I guess I'm trying to think of whether That's the Future sort of cement this song, or did it rise it to This Is Now Chuck Berry's greatest song?
0: For this joke to have worked in 1985, it had to be a well-known song, and everyone has to know that it was Chuck Berry. My Dingling would have worked better. Do you think the audience would have reacted the same way to My Dingling?
1: Uh, in the 1950s, they probably would have had a bit more of a stronger reaction.
0: <laughs> I think it's it's funny that he says, it's
2: an oldie. Oh, well, obviously there's that line where he's like, well, where I'm from, it's an oldie. Yeah. But it wasn't that long before the film is set, is it? It's only, is it 30 years? Is it 20, How how many years before, was
1: it? 80s. Um... 30
0: years, yeah. So it's
2: not like ancient. That's like the 90s from now. Oh, God, don't say that, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like a, uh, high school and now going back to the, the 90s.
1: 30 years is quite a long time, though. What's the song that came out 30 years ago?
2: Well, I don't know. Something by Oasis, Wonderwall.
1: <laughs> something by Oasis, Wonderwall, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, terrible comparison.
2: You could go, yeah, like it's like somewhere by now
0: and experience lad culture and Britpop. That would be a terrible film. Someone make it. So I think <laughs> between, let's include Earth Angel because Alex likes it. I think it's two, two strong songs, one good song and one nah song. But you can decide which is which. That's basically all I've got for that. It's one of those ones where it's like,
2: the, I feel like if people listening and me hearing the facts for the first time, I felt like
0: I've genuinely learned something <laughs> about the things that happened. Yeah. Have you got a top five, Ben? I do. Ooh, let's do it. Top five.
1: Top five time. Because I love a list.
0: Oh, God. It, it's not Rolling Stones' top five greatest songs of all time, is it?
1: No, but I was just reading that. Come on, can you guess? What's my top five? I am a predictable young lad. Best time travelling films. Highest Way. Oh, right. okay, It is just that. Well done. Yes.
0: That seemed too obvious even for you, Ben.
1: Well, it's, it's because because you've never got all five.
0: Yeah, we aren't good. That's not true.
1: It is 100% true. It is 100% true. I've compiled eight lists. There was some lists that put together franchises, and so I have kept them together, but I've not separated them. Um, it's quite clear, and I think you might be caught out, potentially, on these top five.
0: Okay. Alex, should I say the first one? I know what you're going to say, so what should I say it before you? Go on. The remake of The Time Machine with Samantha Mumba. It's <laughs> a good film. <laughs> is it, I used to have
1: nightmares about that film.
0: <laughs> is, it, is it there?
1: It's not, it's not. Um I you know what, I don't even know if I saw it in any lists.
0: Okay, what about the original time machine?
1: Nah, it was in some lists, but not in the top five.
0: Back to the future.
1: Back to future number one.
0: Um
2: Planet of the Apes.
1: Planet of the Apes number four. So you have got one and four.
2: So it's just time travelling films. Films of time. Time
1: travelling films.
2: Does each one of the film like it does involve like someone going either forwards or backwards in time? It's not like it's. It's not like uh, well.
1: A... See, this is the thing. So, I number three. I think you might not get because it's not as obvious as the others. Not as typical as like you're going in a time machine.
2: It's something like Benjamin
0: Button or something.
1: <laughs> that wasn't in the yeah. few weeks. Was it okay? Yeah.
0: Or is it like Harry Potter? Harry Potter was also in a few oh, lists, yeah, but in not... time turn, yeah. course, so. um, What's that one <sighs> about time? Is it called oh, that? About time is on a few lists, but not in the top ten. Time,
2: time Traveler's Wife as well.
0: Yeah. Oh, the Lake House. Mm, I, the... the
2: Lake House. Wow. Good shout. What
0: a film. <laughs> <laughs> what a film. Um, t- Terminator. Oh, okay, come so, on. That must so be in there.
1: I've put yeah. So i Terminators uh, is two. So most, almost all lists just put Terminator two in, but some did put the first Terminator in. But I've grouped them up. So you got one and two.
0: Okay. Now, three okay. and
1: five. Five, I- I'm pretty sure we all love it. It's a cheese fest. We've quoted this film loads. <laughs> Austin Powers? No, Austin Powers was in some lists.
2: The cheese fest time travel movie. It's
1: like a, I-, I think it's a 80s, maybe early 90s family comedy. Had a sequel, like, last year or two years ago. Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. Of course. So great.
2: 12 Monkeys.
1: No, in some lists. See now, this is um, now this is the one you're not getting. So this is number three is not like the typical time traveling films. Very good film, comedy. Hot
0: tub time machine.
1: No, again, no time machines involved in this one.
0: Oh, so it's like a portal or mm. something like that. Groundhog Day.
1: Think more slice of life. Think it never really gets explained. And it's not Groundhog Day. It is Groundhog, oh, Groundhog, Day. Groundhog Day. I mean, that's oh, right,
2: okay. it's, it's, it's a very good film.
1: Yeah, it's a fantastic film. So I don't count that as you getting them all because I gave you <laughs> my handed three.
2: Yeah, books. I mean it's not it's not really a time travel. Honorable show, mentions,
1: but... honorable mentions, Star Trek, Idiocracy, Looper, Looper, Looper. about time. Yeah, Looper was lo- some put, someone put Looper at number two in the list. <laughs> but it's but but surely the the premise of the list is that the films are good. Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs>
0: Edge of Tomorrow is a good film. I was gonna say Edge of Tomorrow yeah. next.
1: Uh, someone put Tenet. and I. Uh, no,
0: come on, guy. Is that time travel?
1: Yeah, it's not. Is it? It's just like time. Because so if time. that's time
0: travel, are all films time travel? Because all films go forward in time, but some, no, all films go backwards in time at the same time. But is it going backwards in time? Ben, <laughs> let's
1: leave that one. Is it Ben? Let's leave that one before we talk about the power of love.
0: It's a stupid film.
1: It's a terrible film. Worst sound mixing ever. Film ever.
0: It does have a song, so we could cover it.
1: I thought I thought I'd been destroyed by COVID. Like I think I saw that film. Like, it was the first film I saw, like after COVID. And I, I thought I'd been like my hearing had gone after I was ill. Because there was a bit when they're on the boat, so I'm like, I haven't got a clue what's going on.
0: Yeah, it's similar. I um when I was in the cinema I had my mask on and I tried I tried ticking the strap off <laughs> yeah. my ear to see if it improved <laughs> the sound, even though <laughs> it obviously didn't cover my ear. But you know when, like I said, we went see Indiana
2: Jones last week. We actually went to a screening that had subtitles just because it was the only one that was on at that uh, time. Yeah. And it, in some ways, I've never understood a film more. <laughs> like, yeah, I've only ever seen that once. I saw a
1: film called like Demolition or something with Ty. No, that was audio description. That was by accident. I was too embarrassed to say that. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I was too embarrassed to say the lady said, you do know this is audio description. I was like, uh, yeah, yes. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> I was the only person in there, so it was, it was quite comfy.
0: Wait, you were the only person in there and you felt too awkward to leave?
1: No, no, no. <laughs> you could have I, sneaked out and I no one was, would have known. It, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. I was waiting for my wife who was in town. It was like the only film I wanted to. Right. I, I okay. was just enjoying being out of the sun.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough.
1: And plus with my card thing, you know, I'd have to pay.
0: That only goes against you, Ben, because you could have left and It wouldn't have mattered financially.
1: But the, I, the only other options were Baywatch and a Transformers movie.
0: <laughs> Baywatch? One of the all time greatest time travel movies? I'd already seen Baywatch three times. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it
1: backwards? <laughs> It's slow motion not backwards
0: oh that's another <laughs> form of time traveling isn't it
1: move on <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so now it's time to decide what we believe is the greatest song the best song from back to the future your choices are if you want to include it earth angel by harry Watts jr uh, Huey lewis in the news the power of love mike mcfly's version of johnny be good or Huey lewis in the news is back in time alex you can go first as always so is it is it best song in the film, or...? I don't think we ever decided
2: how this segment yeah. works, so just make Alex,
1: it work. Alex, Room One. all the other songs are going to deleted and never exist in society ever again, which one you keep well,
2: well, as a song, Johnny Be Good, but in terms of the film, because I, I think that if you ask most people the song they remember from this film, I think that they would say Johnny Be Good and not Power of Love.
1: That's interesting. I would have said the other I one. I think or... you're
2: right. Oh really? I think Alex just is right.
1: I think it's the opening film, and, and a lot of people fall asleep during film, so they don't see <laughs> <at> the end. <laughs> I just think it's because
2: the scene is so is so famous with the with the. Well, I mean, both teams are quite famous in terms of cinema history, but I think that that one's late for school. I but I think uh, I think Johnny Because will be remembered. But I I kind of feel that because it's not a song for the film, that I sort of want to go for the power of love, even though I don't love it as a song. I really like the scene, and I think it's. It's the song of this film, almost, because it's the song that features specifically in this film. I don't know. So I'm going for The Power of Love, weirdly. Yeah.
1: In a roundabout way. Okay, Ben? Yeah, very similar logic. Um, Johnny Be Good is by far the better song uh, played, written, um, performed. But Power of Love is, to me, it is the it is the Back to the Future song. I feel that's what opens it up. It sets you off on at the tone and pace to just... Uh, to just enjoy yourself, um, and actually makes for some reason the power of Back to the Future makes this song sound good, <laughs> and um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Power of Love.
0: I'm also gonna go for Power of Love, even though every Love.
1: other version of Power of Love is better than this Power of Love.
0: That's fair, uh, yeah, I'm also gonna go for Power of Love. Obviously, I've already mentioned that I played it at my wedding, so I feel like I'm kind of literally con- contractually obliged to pick that, so yeah, it's that. Victory for the power of love. Sounds like Well it. done, Huey. Well done, Jennifer. Well done, Frankie. The odds were always in his favour, wasn't it, really?
1: Yes. Checks in the post.
0: Okay, so that brings us into another episode of that song from that movie. Let us know which one you think is the best song from Back to the Future on one of our, well, now many social media places. So we're on Twitter. Kind of on Hive, but it's dying. We're on Threads. We're on Threads and we're on Instagram. On
1: Threads? No cap.
0: On Threads, yeah. God, damn it. <laughs> so ben what is our social media handle
1: at tsftm pod
0: so you can help the podcast in many ways uh subscribing would be good uh but you can also do it by sharing this on a random subreddit uh alex what random subreddit should the audience share it on this week it's, it's really got to be eric stoltz hasn't it show
2: the show the men some love come
0: on oh sure all oh, right you don't mean like sticking the knife no. in. oh god yeah maybe
2: accidentally
0: <laughs> i didn't intend it that way, but <laughs> hey is that's that what you want to do? That's what you want to do. So you can also help the podcast by signing up to our Patreon, which does have our first ever episode we ever recorded and never released on 8 Mile. It was a lot of fun at the time and cringy to listen back to, so enjoy. <laughs> um, you can also buy our merch. And the only way you can help us is by leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts and telling your friends about the podcast. So all that's left now is doing some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from myself, goodbye, and goodbye from Alex. Steven Spielberg once said, "Keep them coming." <laughs> <laughs> and goodbye from Ben.
1: No cap. <laughs> really? God,
0: I'm going to have to keep all. I'm going to to keep all these references in the episode now. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. <Awesome>. Uh <laughs>
1: oh, uh,
0: goodbye, everybody. Bye. No cap. I am exhausted. So, Bob, Gale, and Zemeckis offered it to. Uh, in there. Try again. So, Bob, I why am I struggling so much? This is going to be a long episode. <laughs> God.